Good morning. All right. I know the kids are with us, so I only got about two hours instead of three. So we're going to get right into this. Amen? I'm excited. Anybody excited this morning? Let's jump right in. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. This is, this is a prayer that, that, um, that we prayed last Father's Day. It says, Lord, enlighten what's dark in me. Strengthen what's weak in me in me. Mend what's broken in me. Bind what's bruised in me. Heal what's sick in me. Revive whatever dreams and hopes have died in me. Restore whatever peace and love has been lost in me. Replace whatever joy has been robbed from me. Release me to find and to fulfill your purpose for me. Keep me from those interruptions that will take me off course and keep me sensitive to yours. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, stand up, sit down. We got to get excited. Stand up, sit down. All right, yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah, I can't tell you the stress that it is to preach on a Father's Day or a Mother's Day or one of these. So I'm just going to put that aside and, and share what, the, what, what God has for us. Amen? Amen? I was looking back at, at last year's Father's Day message and I was a little shocked as I read the beginning of my notes from last year because I started Father's Day 2015 talking about the tragedy that had taken place that weekend in Charleston, South Carolina, where Dylan Roof went into a church, opened fire, and nine people, including a pastor, were taken out. And I remember that was a pretty big deal, and that was a hard-to-deal-with a hard tragedy in 2015. People's lives were, were changed forever. And here we are, Father's Day 2016, on the weekend of the deadliest mass shooting in history. And I, I need you to understand, relax, I'm not going to deal with the Islamophobia or the homophobia. I'm not going to talk about gun control. We're not going to get into politics or agendas. My, my challenge is to bring the word of God. Amen? The, the scriptures teach us in the book of Romans when we're dealing with those around us that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and that we should mourn with those who mourn. We should grieve with those who grieve. We should live in harmony with one another. And so this morning as a body of believers gathered together, we mourn the loss of life that occurred this past week. We know that no, no one deserves what, what happened this, this, this last week. Our hearts go out to a community of people who have felt nothing but hatred from the church. A community that feels unloved, that feels chastised, that feels persecuted. And we can have our own opinions and we have to stand on what the word says is right and wrong, but understand, it has never been the role of the church 
to condemn and to throw stones. Jesus said in that one time that they brought that lady to her to him and, and she was caught in the act of adultery, they, they brought this lady to him to test him. They brought her naked. She had been caught. And, and he says, he, he, he told all of them, leave the stone throwing to those that have no sin. In other words, Jesus said, leave the judgment to me. Amen? Leave the stone throwing to those. And even in that particular situation, he, he tells this lady who was caught in her sin, she was guilty. She was naked. They drag. Kids got excited. Relax. Relax back there. I don't know what happened back there. She was naked. She was caught in her sin. She was obviously guilty. And, and after he addresses the men that had brought her there, he says to her, where are those that condemn you? And she says, she, she looks up and, and she says, there's, there's no one left. And he even then, he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He told her, go and turn your life around. Go and make things right. John 3, 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn, but to save. Luke 19, 10 says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The bottom line is, not one of us can stand in judgment because we all need God. Can I get a loud amen on that? We, we all need another chance. We all need help. We all need a do-over once in a while. We all need a deliverer, amen? And the good news of the gospel is that he speaks to us right where we are. Caught in our sin. Naked and ashamed. Caught in our mess. Caught in our prejudices. Caught in our racism. Caught in our judgment. Caught in our hate caught in our self-righteousness and he says to us right there neither do I condemn you now go and make things right and I think that's the perfect posture that I want to take this Father's Day our our role as fathers is is too important it's too critical. It's crucial. It's too important to not be serious about. I want to celebrate with our men today. And, and if there's one thing that I wanted you to hear today, if you forget everything else, if you don't remember anything else, if there's one thing that I want every man in here to, to hear today is this. You have the ability and the authority to make things right. Oh, man. Come on, man. Stand up and sit down. Come on. You have the... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You do it in sports arenas. We can do it here. Amen? You have the ability and the authority to make things right. That should make you puff your chest up a little more. Listen, if we're going to celebrate fathers today I want I want us to understand what for and why it's so important 
why the role is so crucial. And, and I found this quote that's going to kind of tie us all together before I go on. There's a, there's a quote that I found this week that says this, Fathering has but a little to do with biology. In other words, anybody, six minutes. And I'm being generous. Fathering, let's focus. Father, slow down. Father, father. Man, y'all are out of control. Out of control. Let's go to the quote. Fathering has but a little to do with biology. At its heart, it has everything to do with influencing and shaping and affirming. Listen, I believe at the heart of every man, there is a father in the soul. I believe in, in the heart of every man, there's a father in the soul. And there are young people all over looking for that. Amen? So men, I'm going to say it again. You have the ability and the authority to make things right. I shared last year that the FBI had done a study of all of these young men who became these mass shooters, these violent shooters, and in 17 cases, Paducah, Kentucky, Pearl, Mississippi, Littleton, Colorado, in 17 of those cases, the shooters had one thing in common. There was a father issue at the heart of it. I came across this book this week that I've been reading titled Pastoring Men. And, and I want to just read to you the first chapter really, really quick, the first couple of sentences. Listen, listen to how this Pastoring Men book starts. You can hear about it on Oprah. It's a little dated, but you understand. You can hear about it on Oprah. You can read about it in Time Magazine. You can watch the destruction it creates on Dr. Phil. School teachers can barely educate on the heels of it. Social services are overwhelmed because of it. Employers are stumped by it. Law enforcement feels the brunt of it. Many jails and prisons are full because of it. Politicians don't know what to do with it. Authors and academics have assembled alarming statistics to prove it. Healthcare professionals publish convincing reports to document the cost of it. Tele television commercials mock it. Divorce courts are at capacity because of it. Families are ripped apart by it. Wives soak their pillows with tears as a result of it. Children grow up in poverty as a consequence of it. Young teens experiment with drugs and sex to cope with it. We open teenage pregnancy centers, establish substance abuse centers, build homes for battered women, authorize more jail space, put extra beds in our homeless shelters, increase the number of law enforcement officers, and fit our schools with metal detectors to deal with it. Everybody is concerned about it. Many address the consequences of it, yet very few people are doing anything to change the root of it. It is among the most 
most pervasive social, economic, political, and spiritual problems of all times. It is a man problem. It's a father issue. Men, you have the ability and the authority to make things right. Hear my heart today. I'm not sharing this so that I can beat men up on Father's Day. I came to celebrate the men that are here. Men that stay. Men that stand. Men that support. Men that encourage. Men that protect. Men that are connected to God. Men that don't become statistics but change them. Men that do well in spite of them. I'm not here to build you up. I'm here to, to I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to build you up. Somebody say amen. amen. If you brought somebody here today with you that should be celebrated, can you go ahead and celebrate them right now? Come on, celebrate them right now. Celebrate them like they matter. Happy Father's Day. Now listen, if you have no one here to celebrate, listen, listen. Because he was never there or he wasn't what he should have been for you or to you. Receive this right now. God has you here today. Because he's a good, good father. And he wants to bless you and provide for you and protect you. And listen, listen, he's surrounded you today with good fathers. Now, you may not know all the good fathers that are here today, but God has brought you under their covering. Men, would you greet somebody you haven't met before? Would you give somebody's kid a high five? Would you, would you tap a kid or two that's around you on the head? Come on. Come on. This father issue is heavy. It's a big deal. Listen, the, the fact that the creator of the universe, the, 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 be, the, the spirit, the God that created everything into existence, the author of life, the fact that he chooses the symbolism of a father to relate to us has to tell us something right from the start about what and, and who we're called to be. Amen? He said in the beginning, watch, watch, God, God in, in Genesis 1, the, the, there's a picture here that we have to see, and, and I believe men, if you really get this, this will change your life. In the beginning, in Genesis 1, God creates, and everything he creates, he names, because whatever you have, the, have authority over, you have the ability to name. Watch this. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And, and he separated the light from the darkness and he named the light day. And, and the darkness he called night. And he separates the waters and he made the land appear and he called the dry land earth. And the gathering of the waters he called seas. And, and God goes on creating this perfect environment for us to live in. And then he said, let us make man in our image. Let's make man like us. Watch this. And so he creates man from dust, and then after he sets him up, he gives man authority over every living creature. How do, we, how do we know that? We know that because he gives Adam the ability and the authority to name things. 
Watch, in Genesis 2.19 it says, So out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So whatever Adam named something, that's what it was. Why does that matter? Whatever is under our authority, we have the ability to name. That's why when we get married, a wife takes our name. That's why when we have a baby, we name the baby. We have a, a puppy, we name, we give the baby, the puppy a name. Amen? We, we, a frog, a turtle, a rabbit, whatever it is we have. Cars, guys name their cars. They're more, let's stop there, but you, you understand. Whatever you have the authority over, you have the ability to name. And whatever you name it, that, that is what it is. Oh, please, men, hear this. Part of the ministry of a father is that there is still power in his words. Our ministry is in our words. Proverbs says death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's why, men, we have to watch our words. When we talk to our kids, they can become what we call them. That's why we need to speak life into our kids. That's why we, we all need good words from fathers in our lives. Amen? We, we, we crave them. We need them. We're damaged without them. I believe God loves us so much that He took the role of Father and He would even wear that name for us because He knew that some of us were not going to get those words that we needed. Some of us were never going to hear the well done of an earthly father. And he wanted to be able to step in as a father and have the ability and the authority to make things right in us and with us and through us. Amen? Men, when we talk to our wives, you can be calling things that aren't as though they are. And that's not always positive. Tell a wife she's no good long enough and she might just believe you. Tell a wife she's amazing and she's beautiful and there is no one like her on all of the earth for you and she might just believe you. A woman stands taller and brighter and glows more when she's filled with words. Children are more happy and have more joy and are more positive and more energetic when they're filled with words. The words we, fathers, the words we speak on our wives reflect on our daughters. Come on, that's heavy. I hope it's quiet, not because you fell asleep, but just because you're, you're processing something. I'm not trying to hurt you today. I'm trying to tell you the truth. Amen? You have the ability and the authority to make things right. When men are not there, 
or not there long enough or don't care enough to give a good name, society suffers. We forfeit our authority and we release it to the dark things of this world. And then darkness speaks to our wives and darkness speaks to our children and darkness speaks to our communities. Children suffer, families suffer, communities suffer. Some of us might not understand this because we never had this. Okay, can I, can I speak to that? Maybe we never had the dad that called greatness out in us. Maybe we never had the father who spoke things into us. And we never had the father who encouraged us and, and led us. Amen? And so some men I talk to, they develop this rough exterior that says, hey, I'm, I'm okay, I made it through. So they'll be okay, they'll make it through. I'm not that bad, I, it's alright, I didn't have that. My father wasn't there, I, my father didn't do this, my father didn't do that, and, and I'm okay, I turned out alright. And so they'll be alright. I want to say to you, why would you want your kids or anyone's kids to feel the way you felt? When you have the ability and the authority to make things right. We see examples of this even in the scriptures. Did you know that David, King David, you know his father named Jesse. When, when God told the prophet Samuel... He told him, I'm rejecting Saul as king, and I want you to go and anoint the new king. And, and God tells the prophet, I've, I've chosen him from the sons of Jesse. And so go and meet with him, and I'll show you which one to anoint as the new king. And so Samuel goes, and he, he calls Jesse, and he tells Jesse to bring his sons. And they, and they get together at a prayer meeting, and, and they come, and God tells him. And, and then Samuel sees the first of his sons. And, and the word apparently says, this guy, he's like, good looking, you know. And, and so Samuel sees the first one and he goes, wow, definitely this guy got to be the one that's the king. This is definitely king material. Look at him. His shoulders are wide. He's tall. He has, you know, whatever. And God tells him immediately, look, God tells him, don't consider his appearance or his height. For I've already rejected that one. And then God says, I don't look at man the way man looks at man. I don't look at the outside. I look at the heart. And so, and so watch this. I'm after, he says, I'm after a heart that's after my own. And so one by one, Jesse brings all of his seven sons. Like a modeling shoot, you know, you got them just whoop. Next, seven of his sons, he brings them before Samuel. And Samuel, in tune with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit of God, says, is it this one, God? And God says, uh-uh. And the next one comes and says, wow, this guy, he's short, but he's strong. Is it, it must be this one, probably. And God says, uh-uh. Is it this one? Is it this one? And God says, no, reject rejected, rejected. And then all seven sons, God says, no, none of them. And, and so Samuel is probably a little confused. <coughs> because Samuel understands that I'm hearing from God. I know that you're speaking to me, God. You told me it was one of his sons, but he brought all his sons before me, and you said no to all of them. So out of nowhere, he says, um, 
Jesse, do you have any other sons? Like, I don't, it's a dumb question because I told you to bring your sons. And I assume you brought all your sons. But, but these, none of these are the ones that God wants me to anoint. So he asked them, do you, did, do you have any other sons? And Jesse says, oh, yeah. There's one more. His name is David. But he's out in the field tending sheep. He's a sheep. That, that was a servant's job back then. If you, had, if you were wealthy, you, you paid people to tend the sheep for you. So he says, there's one more son, but, but he says he's, he's the, the youngest. And the, the word that he uses there means more like he's the least. There's David, but he's the least. Jesse didn't even bother to bring David. He didn't even consider that maybe David could be the one that God is looking for. He picked his seven sons that he was proud of. And he left David. He said, now you go to work today like normal. It's okay. And David could have been about, where are you and all my brothers going? You guys are dressed up. You got nice robes on. What's going on? You guys smell like fresh camels or something, whatever. You got like that brute or that dracar, you know, back then. I'm sorry, I took it to 80s. And, and he said, don't worry, you go, you go to work like normal. It doesn't matter. It doesn't concern you. This is not about you. And so he put the other seven sons before him. Everybody say, good job, Dad. The father never saw the potential in David. He never saw David as the king. He never saw David as a warrior. He never saw David as a worshiper, as a man that would write songs, as a man that we would quote the scriptures that came from him. Amen? And we know the rest of the story. As soon as David gets there, God tells Samuel, that's the king. That's my anointed man. That's the one that's after my heart. That's the one. Anoint David. Anoint that one. And we know he grows up to do some pretty amazing things, but his father never saw that or called that out in him. <clears throat> Listen, maybe some of us had a father like Jesse who always discounted you and never called out the greatness in you. Maybe, maybe your brother was always better than you in your father's eyes. Maybe your sister was always smarter. Maybe this one always did this better or that better. And you're, you're, maybe, maybe David never felt the affirmation of a father. Maybe, maybe David always felt like he was the least of all of his brothers. Maybe that's why uh, what the father labeled him and, 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 and treated him that way. But when we read the accounts of his life, we see that in his early years, when he was tending sheep, he was alone a lot. Listen, when fathers are absent, kids tend to find another voice to speak to them. Oh, that's good. When fathers are absent, kids tend to find another voice to speak to them. And that's dangerous because today, that's the music industry. That's the entertainment industry. That's the internet that teaches. It's, it's the others that didn't have a dad speaking also into them. And, and we see here that David, he didn't have an iPad. David was out. He didn't have a, he didn't have a Facebook account even. Can you believe that? 
he didn't have a, a gram. He, didn't, he wasn't on the gram. He wasn't like, look, this is me and all the sheep. This is another picture of me and all. It's kind of a lot like today Instagram. This is me with this sheep, and this is me with that sheep. Yeah, me and the sheep again. There's another sheep and another sheep. Here's me tomorrow with more sheep. Here's me yesterday with different sheep but a different robe. He didn't have any of that. And so the, when he was alone in the fields tending sheep and, and a predator came to attack the sheep, all he had to call out to was God. All he had to talk to all day was God. The only companion, the only fellowship he had was God. And so we, we find out later in his writings when a bear came to attack the sheep, the, the Spirit of God spoke to him, encouraged him, and gave him supernatural strength to take out the bear. And when a lion came to attack the sheep, he didn't have 911. He couldn't call the 50. He couldn't call anybody. All he had was him. He called God, and God was with him, and God enabled him to take out the lion and the bear. We're shooting gorillas in the zoo today, but David was fighting bears and lions and whatever predator came at him because he had a father in God that met him when his father shunned him. And that's why later when Goliath was tormenting the people of David and, and, and David said, who's this Philistine think he is? I'm not scared of this giant. I have a father who has the ability and the authority to make things right. Men, can we decide today, no matter how we've been up to this point, I'm, I'm so glad all of you are here. I'm so glad you didn't miss this one. I believe we're in a season where the father is gathering fathers. And he's given us the ability and the authority to make things right. Amen? Listen, Dad, even if you failed and you haven't understood why, I'm not condemning you today. I'm encouraging you to make things right. Words are more dangerous than guns. Because words or the lack of them can drive a young person to speak with guns. And at that point, it won't matter if they're legal or illegal, if they're banned or not. It'll be too late to make things right. Moms, be encouraged today. David in his writings doesn't say anything about his father, but he mentions his mom twice in the scriptures. Somebody was speaking words of life into him. Amen? So moms, you go ahead and you speak life into your sons and your daughters as well. You, you might just have a David in your house. Your words matter. Your words make a difference as well. You, you can impact in a situation. You can impact and you, you carry weight as well. I hope you don't feel left out today. You have been amazing. Can I speak to the women for a second? You have been amazing in this place. I know for a fact that we wouldn't have half the amazing church that we have right now if it wasn't for the women of this body. Amen? You have stepped in and stepped up where many men have bowed out. I've seen you lift and move things. 
I've seen you paint and spackle, literally. I've seen you work harder than twice. Anyway. And the love that you pour out in this place is rivaled by none. So, so I do celebrate you today. Amen? Don't, don't be left out. But I just wanted to speak to the fathers today because I know that there's some dads that maybe they're only here because it's Father's Day. Some dads, maybe they only showed up today, and, and I'm glad you showed up. I'm not, you know, I'm not picking on you. But I wanted to take the opportunity to speak into your life in case I never see you again. You'll leave here and say, that crazy, sweaty Cuban, he, uh, he just kept saying over and over again, I have the ability and the authority to make things right. And he said it 80 times, I have the ability and the authority to make things right. What a moron, the ability and the authority to make things right, that I have the ability and the, he kept telling us that I have the ability and the authority to make, and one day, you're going to be making fun of me. One day, some, you're going to be someplace. And God's going to give you the ability and the authority to make things right. And, whoo, and, and then this will all be worth it. This will all be worth it. Amen? So what I'd like to do, um, what I'd like to do right now, let's, let's, I'd like to, I'd like to call, I think we did this once before, but I, I kind of want to see this picture again. What I'd like to do is for the men to stand. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you do anything embarrassing. But I'd like the men to symbolically surround the sanctuary. And let's call this section here the sanctuary. Not that you guys don't matter, but you understand? Just for, you know, geometry-wise, it makes a little more sense. So if I can have men surround this part of the sanctuary, let's just find your way around this. Let's, let's create a covering in this place. All around, all around, all around, front to back, all around, all around. I'm calling men to, to, to stand with me. Let, me. let me be totally transparent to what I'm doing right now. I'm calling and I'm asking for help. There's, there's patches still, so spread out until we can... Try to cover all the patches. Spread out. There's definitely enough of you. There's enough manhood up in here to cover this sanctuary. <laughs> the rest of the worship team, you guys can come. At least maybe the musicians are there. I'm going to close with this. We're doing amazing things here in this body, but we could be doing so much more. We could be doing so much more. Look around. We could be doing so much more. hurts me how come when the house of prayer on that corner and the house of prayer on that corner that God has strategically placed us in the middle of how come when they call for three times a day for a time of prayer those buildings are filled of men 
men that come inside the building, take off their shoes, and they bow down on a, on a rug, and they put their faces to the ground, and they cry out to God. And when we call for prayer, let me be real um, open and, and I just want to be transparent with you. I, I meet and I talk to a lot of pastors. Like every week, I've kind of taken that upon myself. I feel like that's something that God has put me with. And so I check in with a lot of pastors and I talk to them and we talk and we encourage one another. And so many times, can I, can I, I'm going to let you in on a secret. This is just between, you know, us here and the internet. So, so it's just, you know, keep it here. Let me let you in on something that we talk about. And you can go and check this with, but don't tell them because it's a secret. You know, sometimes what we say to each other when we're tired, when we're run down, when we're exhausted because we're working a full-time job and we're pastoring full-time and people are still calling us and people still need us to meet and we still need to counsel couples and we still need to work with that ministry and that ministry and we still need to paint the floors and we still need to get the roof fixed and we still need to get the building department things approved and we're stressed out and we're you know what we say to each other we tell them sometimes i wish i was just a regular man in the church Sometimes I wish I was just a regular man who can come to church when we feel like it. Pay attention when we feel like it, when we're in the mood. If it's sunny enough, go to the beach on a Sunday. Don't give an offering this week because I don't have anything extra. Who can drop the kids off and know that someone in that building is going to care for those kids and it's going to pour out into those kids and for an hour or two is going to try to raise their kids in the ways of the Lord while they drive back home or while they go to the gym or while they go to the park or while they do shopping or prepare for a barbecue or do whatever sometimes we tell each other I wish I wish I was a regular man Somebody who can come and go or not come and act like it doesn't matter. Who must obviously believe that it has no effect on the body of Christ. Sometimes we even go as far as saying, you know what? I'm tired. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to take care of that. I'm not going to spend any more time on this or on that. But when it comes right down to it, we can't. Because there are families in here that need help. There are young people in here that need direction. There are young boys and girls here that need to have some kind of father figure, even if it's for an hour or two, one day a week. There are kids here that need an appropriate touch from a grown man. A hug, a high five, a slap on the head. From a father who might not even be their own. Because there's women here who need help. 
There's other men here that struggle and they need encouragement and they're trying to do the right things and they're trying to, to be the men that God called them to be and they need somebody in their corner and they need somebody cheering them on and, and we vent with each other and we talk this nonsense, me and the other pastors but we know we can't be a regular man because there's no such thing. This is the role of a regular man. I'm not, I'm not bragging on me. I'm saying this is the role that we're walking in. You know what I'm saying? This is a regular man. A regular man stands in and provides a covering. This is beautiful. I celebrate you guys that stand with us here at the sanctuary. This is what we're called to do and who we're called to be. Listen, you might not feel qualified. You might have been given a raw deal when it comes to having a father in your own life. But there are two types of men in these situations. Those that learn to be great fathers because they had great fathers. And those that are great fathers because they know everything they don't want to be. Because they've had every bad example available to them. And they've made a choice that I won't be like that man. I won't be like that man. This problem is huge. It's bigger than me and you. And it started before us. It's going to continue after us. But I believe, man, with all of my heart, that it only takes one generation to flip it. It only takes one man in your line, in your family line, to flip it, to turn things around. It takes one man to do the right thing. It takes one man. You have the ability and the authority to make things right. There's a, there's a powerful story in 2 Chronicles. I'm going to share that with you next week. This is a part two next week. So, so if you came just for Father's Day, you've got to come back one more week. And then you can go into wherever else you do on the Sundays. But I want to thank you for standing with me today. And as we close in prayer, I, I'm going to exercise my authority as a man of God. And I'm just going to release a Father's blessing, if that's all right. I want you to keep this picture in mind, dads, fathers, men, and understand that when you're not standing here, when you're not standing here, it takes two men to cover your space. Keep that picture in your mind. When you're not here, it takes two men to cover extra territory. And it's that important. So Heavenly Father, I ask you to richly bless these men, these women, these children, and touch every area of lack that exists in them. Fill every empty space in Jesus' name. I ask you, Jesus, by the power of the cross and the blood to set us free right now from any harsh or cruel words that have ever been spoken over us, especially the ones that we keep remembering over and over. Break that in Jesus' name. 
I ask you, Lord, to set us free from heart injuries that we've sustained from fathers and from others that have been trusted to care for us. I ask the Holy Spirit to set us free from heartache, from disappointments, from dreads, from grief, or from any rage that we cannot resolve. Free us from fear, Father, because that's not from you. In Jesus' name. I pray that we can release today any struggles that we still carry from our own father wounds. May we be healed from being ignored or overindulged. If we've ever been made to feel less than or not good enough, may we be made whole today by you, Father. May the Lord set us free today from trying to get from our fathers what they never knew they had to give. May the Lord set us free to grow, to forgive, to receive, to achieve, to be creative in ways that we have not yet imagined. Free us, God, from our limits that have been placed on us. And may the Lord give us all the things our fathers were unable or unwilling to give us. May the Lord guide us and grant us peace. May the Lord free us from the effects of addictions and anxieties and anger that stem from man issues. May the Lord free us today from feeling that we have to always be perfect to receive his love. And I pray that God will remove from us any belief that we were not wanted, that we were not loved, that we were not chosen, that we were not called. I pray that the Lord will release us from any unhealthy bonds that were formed because of the lack of healthy ones. And I say to you all today, my beloved son, my precious daughter, I love you. I am so proud of you. I am so glad you were born and I release you to be everything that God has created you to be. Fathers, be strong and courageous. You have the ability and the authority to make things right. I release you to go and do it in Jesus' name.